I'm going to cut all this and- out. Yeah, Andrew loves ISIS. That's that's what I'm taking from this. <laughs> I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you, by what right? Because I have a right to be. Uh, I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So, this week we have a new release, and, you know, since Mike can never be bothered to, like, watch new movies, I, I actually texted him and asked him, like, do you want... Do you want you want to do Hacksaw Ridge or do you want Andrew to do it? Because Andrew's already already seen it, and it took him about like yeah, I don't know thirty seconds to be like, "I'll give that one to Andrew." And I actually talked to him about it later, and he said he was sitting there thinking like, "How long is the appropriate time to wait to respond?" <laughs> <laughs> when I recorded an episode with Mike recently for War Machine vs. Warhorse, and I'd mentioned at the end of it, I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, if you want to do an episode on Hacksaw Ridge." Uh, just let me know and I'll happily discuss it with you. And then, yeah, it was kind of like the same sort of thing. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, what films would you pair it with? And I'm like, oh, you know, probably Gallipoli and Break and Moran. He's like, yeah, I, yeah. That's it was too just much a lack for Mike. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this is too much. <laughs> So, so yeah, I you've got me, people. Yes, me, that's Australian. right. <laughs> so of course, the voice you hear right now is Andrew from the AV Film Review and the Last New Wave. Uh, so, would you like to tell them briefly about uh, either one or both of those podcasts and where they can find them? I'll tell you about the Last New Wave. So, the Last New Wave we cover Australian cinema, and uh, it yeah, it's basically we talk about everything Australian cinema, old films, new films, and I do interviews with people as well who are based in Australian cinema as well. Um, the reason why I mentioned that one and not the other show is because uh, everybody should have listened to the Bridge of the River Choir on the River Choir episode, which was really good. Um, I was in it. And, you know, and so... <laughs> if you don't say so uh, yourself, it was pretty goddamn exactly. good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but the reason I mentioned Last New Wave is because Hacksaw Ridge is an Australian film. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Nice to see you covering these small Australian films, Dave. It's good. They yeah. really need to the audiences. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, it was either this or Doctor Strange, right? Which I think is going to get plenty of coverage both media wise and podcast wise so i figured like let's let's do something a little different so you sure you didn't want to go back and give ron howard a bump with inferno yes no? i am very sure <laughs> yes just seeing that trailer was enough for me i do not need any more inferno uh so here we are to discuss hacksaw ridge so uh you saw this movie twice now um, I saw it once yeah. last night, so it's still pretty fresh. And here, like, you have no idea what I think of the movie, which I've been very careful for once to, like, not say anything about uh, about a movie after I see it to friends of mine. So here's what I'll say. This is my, like, 10-second review. I think this is a very good movie that just misses being great because of some questionable directorial choices. And I think overall, directorially, it's really good. But there's a couple choices here and there that really hamper the movie and drop it just down a little bit. But this is a really good movie. I It was much better than I expected it to be. 
Like I, I think it it balances. I've heard actually a lot of reviewers, a lot of like actual professional reviewers, talk about how it kind of glorifies the violence and just revels in it, despite it being a pacifist story. And I feel like he balanced it really well. And I think that's not something easy to do. But I think the you know there's a lot of good things about this movie, but I can't remember a war movie that was both this affecting and pulse pounding. In the same film. I mean, there were moments when yeah. you have like the there's this one big battle at Hacksaw Ridge at the Battle of Okinawa. And the lead up to that is some of the best filmmaking I've seen all year and maybe in the last couple of years. Like my heart felt like it was going to pound out of my chest. I was on the edge of my seat. I was nervous for the for the characters on screen. I was I was honestly a little scared, like in this situation, like you just you put yourself there. And I think he does a great job of framing that moment with really simplistic uh score um beautiful visuals of this kind of smoke you know going through and just and showing a lot of shots just of our soldiers walking through this and you mm. can't see and they can't and it is really impressive and then that kind it's of terrifying yeah it really is um and it and it leads up to a pretty i mean one of the most intense sequences of war i've ever seen on screen I agree. And the first screening that I saw at was, uh, it was for, it was an actor screening. So our essentially Australian Academy Awards is called the actors, A-A-C-T-A, uh, real cheesy. Um, and so <laughs> it's like actor I've, with an, with an accent, with an Australian yeah, accent. Exactly. It's great. The actors. <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And so the screening that I was at was, uh, you know, it was full of all the people who were doing the voting and the nominations. And the lady that I was sitting next to, uh, I won't name who she is, but she is a film producer. And during that sequence, she got up and left and did not return. And at the end of the film, she was sitting outside very pale and looking very uh, not pleased. Not, uh, yeah, she, she, it certainly affected her quite a bit. Um, yeah. Now, Hacksaw Ridge uh, got the the most amount of nominations this year. We got thirteen nominations. So whether her nomination went towards it or not, who knows? But uh, people in Australia, at least, really like it. I think it's a very impressive film. I do agree with you when you say it's a very good film. Uh, I think that you know Mel Gibson. He's a very solid director. I think that he has always made very good films. Mm-hmm. I would argue that. I don't think any of them are really great. I really enjoy Apocalypto. I think Passion of the Christ is a very solid film. It's probably my favorite of his films. Um, and that's saying, you know, it's coming from an atheist as well. So, hey. Right. Um, but I think that he does really impressive, tense, violent scenes. And they don't ever tip over to being a great film. That's fine. Not a problem. What he does here, I think, is really tells a, a very powerful human story that, Yes, it's got a religious background to it or a backbone to it, but it's not about that. It's not about pushing an agenda about religion or anything like that. It is simply about presenting somebody's point of view in war and wanting to be a part in in doing their part for the country, but they they can't be violent. They can't shoot. They can't kill because of, of their beliefs, and it's about not only them coming to grips with that, but the people that they are fighting alongside and the the country that they're representing as well. And that is, I think that's a really powerful thing to be able to to display. And it never, you know, it never strays into the, the realm of 
um, uber religious films that are, have an agenda that they're trying to push or anything like that is simply presenting, you know, Desmond Doss's story. And I think Andrew Garfield is really great here as well. Um, you know, I think he, he's a really solid actor in, in this film. But I think yeah. that it, it's just really impressive that he manages to tell a story like this. And I think it goes back to, you know, the war scene is is brilliant. But I think it's a good hour and 40 minutes or so before we actually even get there. Yeah. And that's what works for me the most is that you spend a lot of time at home. You know, it, it's kind of like... The, the film that I can think of the most that kind of kind of represents it is a bit like Full Metal Jacket, just without the the insanity <laughs> and you know the the killing of uh, you know the the general or whatever it was the the drill sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that and you know it, it, it Vince Vaughn does a quite a good job here as well, and we'll I'm sure we'll touch on that in a moment. But I, I like that it's str- it stays on the home life more than sticking with the battle scenes because. It allows you to get attached to these characters and then you are really hit with the war. And, you know, where Saving Private Ryan opened up on that and it was very powerful because you you didn't expect it, this, I think, is even more powerful because you've become attached to these people. And I feel sorry for anybody going into this film thinking it's two hours and ten minutes of nonstop war because it's not that. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think uh... – I'm trying to decide exactly how I feel about Andrew Garfield's performance. I think it is very good. And I think I went into it worried because I, you know, saw the trailer and the accent sounded a little rough. But any accent, I think, in in a vacuum, like in a two minute trailer, it's easy to pick apart and be like, oh, that's not quite right. But I think his mm. accent actually works in the context of the film. Like you I think you get over it pretty quickly. You're like, OK, this this works well enough for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, and I don't I, know. Right. <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt. I don't know what people from that part of the world sound like. So, right. you know. And I but I think um the there's a whole setup, there's a whole romance kind of subplot that happens near the beginning of the film that I think mostly works. I mean, he, you know, I got to say Andrew Garfield's performance. I mean, there's a it's it like borders on creepy, like his kind of obsession with her at the beginning, but I think uh Teresa Palmer's performance like really saves it. Like I think she mm comes across as so genuine and so wonderful in the movie but at the same time i think comes across as a fully fleshed out character like she doesn't just go along with everything he says even when he's being court-martialed like i i did i did enjoy her performance but i think honestly the the best performance probably in the film is hugo weaving uh as his alcoholic father i think i think the first scene like we talked about accents a little bit of course hugo weaving has has a relatively strong actual accent to his voice. So the first scene when he's kind of, you know, he's at the graveyard talking to his old war buddies who have died, essentially talking to their spirits, it's it's a little noticeable to me in that scene. But but after that, he really just, like, dives into the performance. And there is a particular scene where one of his sons comes home in a military uniform that was – one of the most moving moments of the film. And I wasn't expecting it because it is a big jump from that character. Like, I think it's only his second or third scene uh, in the film, but it really worked for me. Like it was just, you know, like at that moment before that scene, I think you kind of despise this character. Like he's a drunk, he, you know, he's violent. He's not a good husband. He's not a good father, just everything bad. But you do get these hints of why he's like that, and that scene really hammers it home. And it was, it was pretty tremendous from Hugo Weaving. Like I was, I was really impressed with his performance. 
See, yeah, I, I love Hugo Weaving as an actor, and I think, you know, unfortunately, his Australian films don't get the kind of the broad uh, releases that they, they deserve to in America, and, you know, unless it's in something like this. So it's great to see a, I guess, in the way in regards to his Australian performances, a very solid Australian performance in an Australian film get recognition. I, I think he's de deserving of an Oscar nomination. I don't think that'll happen only because I fear that people might uh, listen to his accent and, and, you know, I'm not sure where he's supposed to be from, Virginia or something Virginia, like that. Virginia, yeah. Um, yeah, and so I'm not sure if that might kind of turn people off, but I think that he is really, really solid here. And, and what I love about his character as well is really great that Mel Gibson's included this element in this film is that it's you know the the sort of the he's the foot in World War One while also having a foot in World War Two. So you have the representation of both wars yeah. and it's the fallout of, of the the violence and the aggression of World War One. It's you know one could say that it kind of touches on PTSD in a way, but probably nothing too deep. Right. But at least it's it's, you know, on surface level, it's at least representing what the fallout of something like a war can do to people. And I think that's that's really great. I think it's a really solid performance. And going back to Teresa Palmer as well, I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, she is a fully fleshed out character here. And, you know, I was afraid that it might turn into, you know, when you find out that she's a nurse and all that kind of stuff, it's it's easy to to turn that into like Kate Beckinsale and Pearl Harbor or something like right. that. It's, it's such a nothing performance and being the prize with it when the man gets home. But she de delivers a really solid performance and you you get enough of her in this film to understand why Desmond Doss is also going off to fight the war, but what he is also fighting to get back home to as well. And by fighting, of course, he's actually not doing any shooting. Struggling or like to that. get back home, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the most powerful moment. You know, you're talking about that scene at the beginning of the film, and this isn't really a spoiler as such because it is in the trailer in the regards that, you know, he and it's the poster of the film and it's his job. He is a medic. He is going to rescue people out on the battlefield. And I think the thing that is most powerful that could be very cheesy, but it, it doesn't, you know, it, it fortunately strays far away from that is when he continues to run out into the the battlefield where there's all his uh companions are, are out there and also the enemy too you know and he goes and and picks them up and he's he's praying to god saying just give me one more just give me one more and that's really brutal and i think andrew garfield's it's one of his his best scenes that he's ever done in any of his work yeah because you really see his faith coming through but also you're seeing the determination it's kind of in a way it's him pushing through his faith to you know honor his country as best as possible yeah i'm actually uh, to to i'm actually with that that episode we did <laughs> yeah i'm actually really glad glad you brought up that scene because i think it's the it's very indicative of the the point i wanted to make which is this movie is full of tropes it's full of every war movie trope you can imagine but it's done in such a way that it to me at least it didn't feel 
tropey. It didn't feel yeah. like, oh, I know what's going to come. Like, yes, we've seen in the trailer, there's a scene where his, you know, the other guys turn against him when they're in training and, you know, and they beat him up because he's not going to pick up a gun. And you think that's going to come from a certain character. And I love that it doesn't. And I also love that mm. they didn't paint Andrew Garfield's character as a weakling. Like, there's a scene early in the movie where they're all training and they have to go through an obstacle course and he fights his way through it and comes in first like i think yeah. i i think it would have been really really easy for this to to be extra stereotypical and i think even with who dies and who doesn't in this film i think you know there are there are some characters i thought who were going to live who didn't and some characters i thought who were going to die who didn't you know mm. and i think uh, i think that's kind of a testament to mel gibson's direction like i think you know we can't avoid talking about a mel gibson movie without talking about Mel Gibson, the person as well. And I think, I think it's interesting that if, if this movie, I think if this movie is directed by anyone else, I think it, it probably gets an Oscar nomination for best direction. I think it still has an outside chance at it, but I think definitely Mel Gibson's kind of personal, personal life and the huge mistakes and, and kind of terrible things he said about enormous groups of people are certainly stopping that. Like, you know, so it was a little odd going and seeing a movie. I felt similar to when I went and saw Birth of a Nation where I'm like, I don't know how I feel about, you know, going and seeing this movie because I really, you know, kind of vehemently disagree with the person behind it. And it is really hard to separate the art and the artist. I think it, it took me a good half hour of the two hour runtime for me to kind of put that out of my mind. But I think but I think if you're able to, like, I think you, you get to see kind of a, a really impressive film. Uh, and talking about those tropes, you brought up Vince Vaughn, and I think honestly, I talked about, <laughs> I talked about uh, this. This could have been a great movie, and said it was very good. Um, one of the things I can talk about that's not a spoiler, uh, at least as of yet, is the Vince Vaughn character, which I like, which I enjoyed very much, but I think it puts a toe just over the line of being a little too funny in the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah, in the in the first couple scenes. Like he's he's like right on that line. But I think I think Gibson and Vaughn kind of scale it back and I think he becomes a full character throughout the movie. Like I think it becomes kind of forgivable that toe over the line by the end of the film. I think it it gets forgiven for that. But in that first kind of drill sergeant scene, I was a little bit kind of like, "Okay, how far are we going to how far are we going to go with like, you know, the you know, uh, the naked soldier and the, you know, it's like, you know, insulting it. Like we've seen all this, like that's, that's fine. Like, and it doesn't mean it didn't happen, but, but we've seen it. But that's the, I think I've really liked Vince Vaughn here and I am not a Vince Vaughn fan. I, I will actively, uh, not watch his films. I, I, I really <laughs> struggle with his performances, just like you struggled with the first half hour of this film getting used to it being a Mel Gibson directed film. Um, but I think that this is probably the best work that he's done in a long time. And I think the whole I'd agree with of, that. And I like Vince Vaughn, yeah, but I'd still agree with that. It, well, there you go. Yeah. And, <laughs> but I think the whole point is that it, it is subduing you into being like, this is very familiar. This is very, you know, we've seen all this before this jokey aspect and it's the, it's the calm before the storm. It's getting you familiar through tropes that, you know, and and are familiar with and enjoy and i think that that is you know it's it's hard to be able to make that actually work and pull be pulled off really successfully and the other thing which i, I you know i think about as well with desmond doss is that 
it is very easy. Like he is probably one or two notches away from being Forrest Gump in this film. A little bit. Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) and, you know, if he, again, it comes back to the direction. I think that if he, if he didn't have solar direction from Mel Gibson, then yeah, somebody lesser than him would have turned this into a very much a, you know, he would have failed a little bit more. And, I think that's the thing is that, you know, when often critics of religion or critics of certain aspects of religion always say, well, lead by example and things like that, you know, well, do as, you know, do as the the Bible says and all that kind of stuff, respect people and, you know, work through issues and things and, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, I'm saying this as somebody who has spent hours of reading the Bible. Um, <laughs> uh... But I, I think the thing is, is that this reinforces the, the positive aspects of religion and, and how well it can actually work for people and what it can do, you know, for people. And, you know, I'm not saying that this would convert me or anything like that, but this is probably one of the films which I, you know, when I'm feeling a bit questioning my faith later on in life and I'm nearly, <laughs> nearly dying and I put this on, I'd be like, all right, this might tip me over the edge and suddenly I'm, you know, born again Christian or something like that. So, you know, that's, that's pretty powerful. I think, I I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, Um, I think that's another area where it could have gone over the edge and could have been like this very sanctified, you know, smug story about Mm. how much better DOS is than everyone else. And I love that we didn't get that. I don't think, I don't think necessarily it is a pacifist film and I don't think it's necessary, necessarily a pro war film either. I think it, it does a good job of showing both sides. It shows like, you know, there's a lot of discussion about this is World War II and like feeling like these American soldiers are literally fighting the works of the devil when you're talking about, you know, Adolf Hitler. I think um, – but I but I think it also shows Doss's side and why he believes what he believes and it doesn't come across as like, oh god, here we go again. I mean I think – I think one of the other things I think it one of the other negatives of the film is I think it it does a good job through most of the runtime like I'd say like 90% of the runtime of not vilifying Japanese soldiers but there is a little bit yeah. near the end that's a little a little rough and kind of shows them as like you know cowards and and not you know not honorable soldiers which I was a little I was a little miffed by a little annoyed by because we had gone so far like yes there are there are derogatory terms in the film but I don't think you can make a world war 2 film set with american soldiers without hearing those terms because that was so common like these people they were vilified by by the country because they were the enemy like i understand that part that part worked uh, but there is a part near the end of the near the end of the battle that was a little upsetting to me. Not so much that I was like, "Oh, this is terrible," but it was kind of like it was kind of a little disappointing. Yeah, you to went me a bit too far. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I I do agree with that, and you know, it's it is a bit disappointing because you know one of the things which I think we've made good headway with um, with certain films, and I'm I'm thinking back to like Clint Eastwood's films. Uh, what was it uh, Letters to Iwo Jima? And, yeah, yeah, the other one as well. Um, that wasn't as good the flags of our fathers or whatever it was. Right. Uh, you know, I think that worked really well because those two films complemented each other in the sense that, you know, you, you understood both sides of the story. And right. I really hope that, you know, for the most part, as you're saying, Mel Gibson does manage to not vilify them, but then he does go that little bit too far. And that's a bit disappointing because I think that we, we as a society, we should be moving past that. And I'm not saying, you know, I think we're a far way away from, 
ever making the enemy you know understandable and relatable but as the the sort of the gray lines of who is the enemy in the world and all that kind of stuff uh you know thickens it's harder to to not make them relatable because you because of what's going on in the world but anyway we won't go into that too much the violence i'm curious what you have to think about that because it is it is ridiculously violent at times and i think that it's really wonderful that it's violent this way Uh, there's a particular explosion scene that is really just uh stunning it's a it's really really painful to actually look at but i think that the thing is is that i think it works so well because because of as i was saying before that 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 quiet beginning right and then you get thrown into all this violence you get a better understanding of what war is actually like more than you know your american sniper or uh, <laughs> lone yes. survivor and stuff like that for sure so yeah i'm curious about that what did you have all right. what how did you feel about so it? we're going to talk about that but we're going to talk about that in spoilers because there are Fair some enough. like but i will say this um like i said some of the most gruesome affecting war imagery I've ever seen. It is disturbing. Um, And it's the only reason that I hesitate to say like everyone should see this movie because I don't think everyone can. And this sounds ridiculous, but I'm not sure everyone can handle this. Like if you're a sensitive viewer, this is not the movie for you. It does not pull any punches. In fact, it throws a couple punches. Maybe it shouldn't, but it definitely, (laughs) it definitely does not pull any punches. But I do think before we go to spoilers, I will say like, if you're just going to listen to this part before you see the movie, I think it is a, a difficult watch uh, given the violence. But I do think it's worth your time if you can handle it. So that's... I agree. Yeah. All right. uh, So let's go to spoilers. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Okay, so earlier I said this movie could have been great. I think I said it three or four times, actually. Now, it could have been great, but it was just very good. Um, there is a couple scenes within the within the violence of the film that I felt were just a little too much. And not, like, too much where, like, I can't handle this. But just, like, really, is that the way we're going? So you mentioned in the beginning kind of walking through, and you start seeing body parts. You see legs and heads. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, American soldiers turned into meat. Is essentially what we see. And it looks like a horror movie. It looks like the lead up to an attack in a horror movie, which is perfect. I love that that is there. I think it really sets that tone. And I mentioned like being frightened in the theater. And those were the moments I think that were the most frightening. The, the actual battle sequences were, were frightening in a different way. Like I felt jolted by them and it really did hammer home like, how powerful these these instruments of war are and what they did to human bodies i mean is terrifying but there is a scene where uh one of our commanding officers literally picks up the torso of a dead soldier and uses it as a human shield uh to kind of break through the lines and i was like really is that like it was silly to me it was over the top and it was like in the crux of this moment that was so powerful and so wonderful and so terrifying and then you have this and like yeah maybe that actually happened but because i've seen so many action movies and so many horror movies i was just kind of like really is this what we're doing but but that's the thing though there are surprisingly you know alongside that there are two other moments which are kind of comical in a way there's a scene this is shot in the trailer where desmond doss um 
kicks a grenade that's coming along away. I wish they didn't put that shot in the trailer because yeah. it, it's such a cheesy kind of shot. It works in the film. I think it really works in the film. But It certainly works trailer, better than it does like, in the trailer. Yeah. 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 It's like, hey, don't forget this guy was in, you know, Spider-Man and this is what he could do <laughs> as Spider-Man. You know, now he's in a war. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then there's also a scene where the one shot where he does pick up the gun and he's and then Vince Vaughn's character is like, ah, this is, you know, this is not the time to, to start learning how to do that, which I did laugh at. Yeah. And, and then he wraps it up and says, no, you hop on. This and that kind of could be really cheesy because it's like okay, all right. The the lead up to that <laughs> isn't cheesy, but this this is the other, one of the other moments in the film that I was like, oh god, is this what we're doing? <laughs> uh, where he's like dragging him, and and Vince Vaughn is like shooting, like he's like sledding essentially, uh, sledding yeah. backwards and shooting his gun. And I was like, God, this is going on for too long. This is this is ridiculous. This is borderline comical. So that was another mistake I felt like Gibson made. Um, the other one was like it, this shot is also in the trailer. The shot of him like washing the blood off, like the showering and the the sun in the background, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, what movie am I watching?" And it not only was it silly, but to me, it did not fit in this film at all. Like, I think it's uh, I, there's there's uh, they make a great effort of not glorifying what he's done and him just doing his duty and continuing to do it over and over again. I think you're right. That one more sequence is phenomenal and i think it's, mm. it's an interesting sequence because when he says one more you're like oh he's gonna get one more and then he goes one more again and you're like okay this is a little almost almost funny and then as it goes the emotion builds and you really are but then behind he gets him. a couple of japanese soldiers as yeah. well and you're like all right it, all right it, you can yeah up now. but that right. <laughs> but that like but that shower i mean i was just like oh god this is so over the top and so ridiculous and to me it like took me out of the movie it was so so kind of, I don't know, like so glorifying. Dreamy. Yeah, it had a dreamy, <laughs> a dreamy look to it, and it was just like, no, this does not fit here. So I, that's what I mean about these, and they're small moments. They don't ruin yeah, the I, movie, but there are these small moments where you're like, God damn it, it was so close. And that's always frustrating when a movie is like borderline great, where you're just like, mm. oh, if someone had someone had said, hey Mel, maybe no. <laughs> this moment like and he listened like this could have been so much better like i think it's still very good but there are a couple moments there's three or four moments in the film that i think are mistakes and just like take you out of it just just a little bit and miss the tone of the film see with that i think that he's going for religious symbolism and there are two shots always that, a mistake always a mistake yeah <laughs> Like he's washing himself of his sins and Ugh. stuff like that. He has, and, what sins? He hasn't done anything wrong. I'll lead him to save well, people's lives. I, I mean, he picked up a gun like for two seconds. Is that his sin? Like, come on. Well, I don't know. I mean, fucking nonsense. Yeah. But, you know, and then so there's that. The only, the, this is like, I gave it four stars on, on my show and I would have given it four and a half if. They didn't have this shot. There's this shot of him getting lowered down from the top of Hacksaw Ridge. And then for some reason. Oh, like the, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot about that scene. Jesus. Underneath him. And then the sun's shining and it's like. And it goes on know, for a long time. I thought they were going to well, roll credits. Like, I was like, Jesus. Like, my mind thinks that that is the last shot of the film. Like, I know that there's uh, the stuff um, which I really liked. You know, with oh. uh, the, the the real people and that stuff like that. That was pretty incredible. In the, 
I think yeah, and then I, I think I, it works so much better in this movie than it has in in other films Sully? I've seen, especially Sully. Yeah, uh, I just think this was phenomenal. It's all standing still playing and have photos, <laughs> right? Fuck Isn't off. this great? Fuck yeah, off. but it was it was really moving, and I think it I think it did two things to have that at the end of the film. One to reinforce like these are real people, but also to reinforce that all this stuff you saw that seems totally unbelievable, this is not created. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole scene of talking about the blood in the guy's eyes and washing it off. And it's a, it's really moving to hear the story told by the real people uh, that went through it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. It's incredible. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing is that with these kind of unbelievable stories, you do need that, that element to be able to ground it in reality and show that this thing genuinely did happen. Yeah. And to also show the impact that, you know, Desmond Doss actually had with conscientious objectors because yeah. they've become a lot more prevalent. And I think if you do watch this film and so one thing that you can take away from it is that, you know, I, I think that it's really impressive that he doesn't want to be a conscientious objector because he doesn't agree with the war. He, right. you know, he doesn't really voice his dis- disapproval or, or anything like that. But it's a case of he wants to be able to do his part for his country, and this is the way that he can do it. And it's the acceptance of that and the proving that, you know, by being a medic, by helping out in unique ways, it can be helpful. And it's not just following the same path of like, hey, I've got to kill every man in sight, that kind of thing. And right. I think that's really powerful. And yeah, that's I mean, what you take away from this. And story. I think I think there's a scene, the the court martial scene, which I expected to be really tedious and not enjoy. I think is actually very necessary, uh, just for Andrew Garfield's moment of explaining exactly why he's there. Because we do mm. get a lot in the beginning of kind of like you know, I mean, I felt like maybe the the stuff with him as a kid was a little over dramatic, like him hitting his brother with a brick and him almost dying, and that and him staring at this. Apparently, this like fan fan art of the Ten Commandments or whatever, like it just like really hammering that home. Came from Etsy. Yeah, you know, it like- looks like it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you get that he wants to save lives, but you don't necessarily get why he's so impassioned to be there. And I think his speech about you know f- you know people he knew committing suicide because they were unfit and like how can i just sit here at home like i could just go home like i have a protected job Mm. there's no reason for you to be here but i think his his kind of plea for why he wants to be there really works and this is coming from someone who you know is definitely not anti-military but is certainly not going to fucking sign up for for the for the military like that is not that's not who i am so to to see someone that kind of hell-bent on doing this is a little like at the start of the movie is a little like god why are you so and i think we we look at things so differently now i think it's interesting to look at movies um like about world war one and world war two and even the beginnings of vietnam where young american men were felt like not only it was their duty but their passion to go fight for their country whereas i think now we have such less faith in our country and the country's leaders that were like, Oh no, I'm not going to war. You just want fucking oil. Fuck you. Like I'm not, (laughs) you know, but back then it was like a very honorable thing to do. And I think that was all portrayed really well. And I love that you get the other side of it, the after war um, with Hugo Weaving's character, like up to the point in the, in the courtroom where he says, Oh, is that, is this how it works? Like I give everything for my country and I just get left. 
you know, that, a, that's, very moving. That's his Oscar scene. Like that, that is the scene that should get him an Oscar nomination. See, for me, really for me, the Oscar scene. scene is the one I mentioned earlier in the review, the, the scene at dinner where he just breaks yeah. down. I mean, it's, and it, it's something, like I said, it's this jump and it feels like it shouldn't work, but it really, really works. And I think it's a, mm. it's a credit to Hugo weaving more than anything else. Because like, if you look at it from a script perspective, it's this huge leap from like, what an asshole to like, oh my God, I understand what this guy's going through. Like, yeah. even if I and never I think, experienced it, I feel empathy for this man. Even if he pulls a gun on his wife and beats his kids and doesn't give a shit until one of them almost dies. Like, still, that moment really hammers home this idea of, like, this man has been through everything. And he doesn't yeah, want to see his, his son die. Like, he yeah, does give a shit. get attached to them, apparently. Apparently, yeah. yeah. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Exactly. I think, you know, and... and We'll obviously wrap this up because you've got fangirl fixation coming up in a moment. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things I think is really impressive as well, and maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this, but especially given how, you know, religious wars are, are currently occurring, you know, with ISIS and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I think that it's really important that films like this are displayed to show how religion can fuel your desire to fight and how it can you know, dictate how you you actually fight and and what you're fighting for as well. So not saying that, you know, it's obviously not reaching the same level that, that ISIS is, but I hope that at least then people can understand a little bit more about yeah. what, you know, by showing a, a point of view that they can relate to, hopefully they can understand a little bit more what our current enemies are going, like what they're fighting for. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm reaching. Who knows? You can cut that part out. <laughs> I'll put it at the front of the episode. I'm going to cut all this and... out. Yeah, Andrew loves ISIS. That's that's what I'm taking from this. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we've covered it as much as we need to. I think it's a very good film. Um, it it made me happy to see to finally go see a new release that I that I really did enjoy, and not something I felt like I was like it was it was pretty good. You know, it wasn't terrible. Like this is this is a very good movie, uh, and it's getting mostly very good reviews. There are a couple people that are, are not fans of it. Like I said, say it you know glorifies war, which I'm not sure which movie they were watching. I at no point felt like war was glorified in this movie. I felt like it was actually surprisingly even handed for Mel Gibson mm. when it came to violence. Like I think I think if you want to look at a movie that glorifies violence, you should go watch Braveheart. I mean, I think that glorifies violence, whereas this is not that movie. I think this. this this, this does actually have something to say on both sides, which is not something you get a lot of uh, in war films. So I think it's definitely something you should check out if you can handle the kind of gore uh, and violence of the film. Agreed. All right. Uh, so as Andrew mentioned, uh, we will take a break and then bring in Brit for Fangirl Fixation. Uh, and we'll see you uh, next week, I think. Uh, yeah. for, for the next movie. Yeah. So it's like, you're just taking over Mike's spot. So thanks for, thanks for sitting in. Not a problem. Anytime. <laughs> Greetings, podcast listeners. My name is Peter, the host of Hydrate Level 4. On my show, I invite guests to come on and we review movies from our childhood and see if they still hold up. I've reviewed movies such as Mrs. Doubtfire, True Romance, Real Genius, The Mighty Ducks Trilogy, and even serious movies like A Time to Kill. 
We have a lot of fun and reflect back on the year and talk about even the music and other movies that came out around the time of that particular movie's release. So find me weekly at followingfilms.com on the Following Films Podcast Network. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fangirl Fixation with Brit. Say hello, Brit. No. Oh, wow. You are wide awake today, aren't you? I don't like it. Uh, so we have four movies to talk about. This is what I don't like. Is there, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we jump into the movies? Um, anything else going on? I mean, besides how the after credit scene for Doctor Strange just put all of my fantasies to life. That's true. I uh, don't want to spoil that for no, people. No, I'm not going to spoil is, it, uh, but... There is, if you know Brit, um, you would know that uh, there are two people within the MCU right now that make her very happy. Yep. Um, just purely physically. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, so. I wish they made me happy physically. <laughs> I'm going to need a private theater for when that movie comes out. That's right. All right. Uh, so, uh, like I said, we have four movies. Uh, so the first is Shut In, uh, which stars Naomi Watts, which makes me very sad because she's so good and so wonderful and she's in this. Uh, according to IMDb, it is a heart-pounding thriller about a widowed child psychologist who lives in an isolated existence in rural New England. Caught in a deadly winter storm, she must find a way to rescue a young boy before he disappears forever. Which is actually, after that watching that trailer, trailer, that is a terrible... No. So, basically, she is widowed. Her, her family got in a car accident, the husband died, and her son was injured pretty badly. And, like, right. doesn't move, doesn't speak, is in a chair, all that. Um, and there's this other little boy that she is his psychologist and they're going to like move him off to Boston and she volunteers to take care of him, which I don't think would happen. Like, I was like, that seemed that a little weird to me ethically. At best. Yeah. Um, so, and then the kid escapes in the snowstorm. Everyone thinks he's dead. She thinks there's a ghost in her house. Like, it looks horrible. Yeah. Like, it just. <laughs> I don't, like, I'm really tired of the whole, like, kids are creepy themed movie. Well, kids are creepy. <laughs> <laughs> they can be, yes. I mean, there's like that really amazing YouTube series with the things my three year old says. Yeah, see? like yeah, they proof. No, it's it's true. I'm just tired of it being in movies. Like, yeah, and the, and the kid. I mean, it was it's interesting that they cast the kid they did. He was in Room last year and got all this publicity for you know best supporting actor, and he's great. And I just I found him kind of creepy in that movie. So you know, so perfect casting like, choice. This works yeah, for me. I well believe done. it. Yeah, yeah, that kid is creepy. Screw that kid. <laughs> Um, but yeah, nothing about this looks interesting. I like the fact that, um, Oliver Platt is in it. I'm glad, I'm always glad when he yeah. gets work. Um, and I love that there's actually someone in this movie going like, Hey, you know what you're saying? It's crazy, right? <laughs> like you're talking about ghosts. You're ridiculous. Yeah. Um, which I think is missing actually in a lot of horror movies. Like you don't get that that often. It's usually just like you buy in and go, but this doesn't even look like an interesting horror movie to me. It feels like it's been done before. Yeah, and if it hasn't been done before, there's a reason. Yeah. It just shouldn't be done. It just it's not interesting. Yeah, I'm I don't care about it. All right. So, we will move on to the next movie, uh which got this like weird staggered limited release that's Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Uh to show you how excited I am about this movie, um I had an opportunity to see it like 2 weeks ago. Oh yeah, I remember this. And I was this. like, "Nah." I don't think I really need to see that. Um so this is a movie directed by Oscar winner Ang Lee. Uh, stars Kristen Stewart, Vin Diesel, uh, Garrett Hedlund. It's it's based on a novel. Uh, and I actually think, yeah, the main character, Billy Lynn, um, is played by a complete newcomer named Joe Alwyn. Like, I don't think he's ever been in a movie before, uh, which is always a great idea. Um, and it's actually gotten some pretty rough reviews, but it seems like most of the reviews focused on 
the the kind of the look of the film because mm-hmm. they did the same thing that Peter Jackson did for the first Hobbit movie where that they, awful film the frame rate, rate. The yeah frame rate, so people were like Matt can't deal with it um, I don't know if this movie is going to be any good but I do know that I probably won't go see it like I just have it just feels like I don't know like it feels over the top it feels like they're trying to pull on the heartstrings like even in the trailer and I was like yeah like it, in the same way that 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 Will Smith movie that's coming right. out is like this just feels like begging for an award and it just and it it sucks because there are a couple actors i like in it vin diesel is actually can act when he's not just being an action star i didn't even know he was in it yeah he's in it uh kristen stewart i think is actually you know gaining she's making a lot of progress as an actress like she's done some really good things in the past four or five years um uh, but you know, this just movie, it does nothing for me. It just, I think the, the visuals of the movie are so striking that it becomes false right. to me. Like, I can't, I can't take it seriously. But what did you think of the trailer? Um, I don't know. I think I'm just, it, so it felt like one of those really awful, like, dance movies, but in, like, about the army. Like <laughs> now when that I is the, a movie I want to see. But, <laughs> but I mean, great. but that's like how the trailer felt to me, right? Yeah. Like it had a lot of the pomp and circumstance. Very presentational. Like, yeah. like, you know, step up and stuff like that. It like gave me that feel. Man, but if you had given me hundred guesses at the movie you would bring up to compare to this, it would not have been step up. Well, I almost <laughs> said center stage, but they didn't have the same kind of trailer. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, I can't. I, you know, I never would have come up with that, but I can totally see what you mean by that. Where it like keeps you at a distance because it's so presentational. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I remember there's a couple things. I don't remember where they are now, but there's a couple things in the trailer that already like um, had me going, well, that's not how that would work. You know? <laughs> or the, the fake Beyonce didn't bother you? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I just, I can't. Yeah, it just, I mean, it might be really good. Um, but I just feel like the chances are that it's not, you know? Like, I'm also afraid that once again, they're going to misrepresent PTSD. Oh, almost guaranteed. They usually do. And I, I would, mean, I would like, I would like that to stop happening. So I have a hard time supporting another film that's going to like, just make it like it, I don't know, pushed under the, the bed. Like, let's not actually talk about the problem, right. but we're going to use it enough. So you're, you feel bad for him. Like, mm, Sure. So it's used to, like, incite pity instead of understanding. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, The last two movies are both movies I really badly want to see and have been kind of on my list of movies I'm really excited about for months now. Uh, And I wanted to do episodes on both of them, but uh, this next one we're going to talk about, Loving, like, it has, supposedly it was released, like, November 4th uh, in certain places, and then November 11th, um, so this weekend in other places, but not where we are. I just checked our local theaters and i'm like we live in the bay area yeah like this should is be something this is fun. this is like catnip for the bay area it's like interracial relationships and Supreme liberal Court agenda yeah like yeah. come on man <laughs> like so unfortunately i'm not gonna be able to be able to do an episode on loving um but it is one that i'm definitely wanting to see what was your reaction to the trailer or thoughts about the movie i'm interested in seeing it um like uh, it's one of those things that always seems weird to me that that was a thing and that it's still a thing yeah. like there's still a lot it wasn't of that long ago bias either, and prejudice for interracial couples like it seems like it's more okay to be a gay couple than it is to be interracial depending on where you go it, it so can i can't like i can't that, imagine yeah. what it's like to be an interracial gay couple oh yeah that's like, like <laughs> good luck man yeah, it's uh, and it's directed um, by one of my favorite working directors now, Jeff Nichols. I don't know if you've actually seen any of his movies because he did 
Take Shelter. Nope. Um, he did Mud. Nope. Uh, and he did Midnight Special that came out this year. Mm-hmm. But the probably it, nope. Yeah, I don't think you. I don't think you saw that. One. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so at some point, I'll make you watch all those movies because they're all really good. Uh, and stars uh, Ruth Nega, who you know from Agents of Shield. Yep. Um, and she was also in Preacher. Uh, and Joel Edgerton, um, who's like done a lot recently. Like he just keeps kind of popping up. Um, he was in. Um, Who's he, he playing in this? He's the the husband. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I, I, well that's what I very, thought. He looks very. He looks very different in this because they've, you know, they've made him look. There's no nice way to say this. They've made him look and sound more like a redneck, like more country, like the Why, way he speaks, got, the haircut. You got something against rednecks? You know I do. <laughs> um, uh, but he was in Black Mass. He was in Midnight Special. Um, he was in. Uh, there's another movie. Oh, The Gift, that movie that everyone was talking about last year, where it was about the guy. Scene. I've, but the, I you know what I'm talking about, anything. right? No, I know what yeah. you're talking about, but there's yeah. so many so, things I don't want. So he's one of those actors who just kind of keeps popping up, like uh, like everywhere, and he's getting a little bit of talk for like nominations for awards for this. Um, but you were saying, you know, you were kind of excited about it. So where is your kind of where exactly is your excitement level for this movie? Um, well, I think my issue right now is I'm having a hard time with any movies that are about relationships. Sure. So, like, I think if I wasn't in my current personal view of relationships, I'd be more excited about seeing it. I would like to point out she's not talking about me. No, I'm no, awesome. no. No. Other relationships. <laughs> um, and, and helping other friends with dealing with their relationships. So it's just, sure. it's kind of putting me in a, a bad mindset. Like, I'm having a hard, I mean... Yeah, no. I think yeah. that's, that's totally affecting why sure. I don't want to see it. No, that makes like, if sense. I was in a different place, I would be more about watching this. Because I do find, like, movies that focus on these big moments um, a little more interesting. Yeah. And then it also makes me wonder, though, like, the stories that they choose to pick, how many more aren't told oh, that yeah. happened before this. Yeah, hundreds, thousands. So, like, like that kind of always, like, piques my interest yeah. in doing more research on my own, too. Sure. But, I think the thing I really like uh, about this movie going into it is this is the type of story and the type of movie that most directors would get mega stars mm-hmm. to be in this. They would get the biggest star they could. And these people are known kind of like they're but they're known for like smaller work. Right. So I like that he didn't go like I can't even think of who I would think of as like a mega star nowadays. But if you made this movie 20 years ago, like having Tom Cruise play that role or something like someone with that kind of like wattage, that kind of star power. I'm actually like, now that you mentioned that, I'm really glad they're not doing that. Me too. Yeah. Cause it's such a, it is a small story that affects uh, in a large way. So you need, you don't need like these huge superstars to right. play that part. They should be people who look relatively normal. Absolutely. I, it makes me wonder too, that if uh, maybe it's not being released in our area due to the political air. That's happening. Yeah, who knows? It's let's, it's really let's interesting not timing. Let's the liberals right next to the vote. <laughs> yeah, right. It is interesting timing given like kind of the the kind of awful politics of one side. Like you, I mean, you if you look at Trump rallies, you'll see people with shirts not only misogynistic but racist, racist like talking about right. lynching and you know, like it's like that's, a, that's like, what look, I'm saying. Like it makes me wonder. Like I look I how think, far we've come, but not. <laughs> like now that we're talking about, it makes me think like, oh, it's very interesting that they decided to release this in November. Right. During a very important election. Yeah. And then not only did they release it, but then it's not being released. So that's really interesting to me. That it's like, yeah. I mean, who knows? It's gotten pretty good reviews and did well on the festival circuit. It's 
it's weird like it's weird that it's not getting this huge huge release like i don't i don't conspiracy could be all right so but the movie that uh is last and the movie that we're going to cover is arrival yeah um which is directed by denis villeneuve um arians arians yeah what are you talking about aliens but like but like with a little cat arians okay Got it. Uh, so Denis Villeneuve is the one who directed Sicario uh, that I really liked from that last year. He still hasn't had me watch, right. but he keeps telling me about it. Well, we're gonna have it on the show later this later this year, so you'll you'll get to watch it. You then. know, there's like a month and a half left of this year. Well, it right? might be it might be early next year. I'm not yeah, sure, but you're a liar. Yeah, yeah, I'm terrible. What do you want from me? Um, Taco Bell. <laughs> fair enough. That that will happen. Uh, and he's also going to be directing the Blade Runner. Like reboot or sequel or whatever. Oh they're doing. man, so, don't bring that up right now because then so, I'm gonna get sidetracked. So we'll see. Okay, let's talk about this movie quick before before I go Rucker Howard on you. <laughs> wow, I feel like that would be uh, inappropriate to have on air. Um, so this movie stars Amy Adams, uh, Jeremy Renner, and Forrest Whitaker among others. Um, so what did you think about this trailer? I'm actually really kind of excited about it. Me too. Um, smart sci-fi yeah exactly yeah Yeah. and and the fact that the the smart scientist is a woman like she's like the top in her field and then it's about communication yeah and she's a linguist i think that's Uh, great it's a really good choice and and i like that in the trailer that they're already like dropping things in there about how um the differences between what a weapon and a tool is in some languages so i i'm really interested to see where this goes yeah they they kind of the it's they're falling into that art of trailer making where you get a lot of information, but also you don't know where, yeah, like you don't (laughs) know where it's going. Like, are we supposed to view the aliens as a threat? Are we supposed to like view humans as a threat? We don't have anything. I mean, it's, it's not like, um, it's not like giving us the whole story in the trailer, which seems to be a huge problem with most of the sci-fi, especially lately. Right. Seriously. It's also nice to see Amy Adams in a serious role. Like, I think she sometimes gets pigeonholed into this, like, comedy, cutesy role, but I think she has real talent, and it's good to see her in I think she's been getting more serious roles, especially recently. I'm also interested in seeing her in that Nocturnal Animals movie. Yeah. Though um, I don't know how I feel about Jake Gyllenhaal, because he's creeped me out forever now. Not forever. Forever. (laughs) Forever. If you look at Amy Amy Adams' filmography, like, of course she did, like, Batman vs. Superman last year. Um, she did Big Eyes, which we still haven't watched. Oh, yeah. Uh, that Tim Burton movie. Yeah, 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 Man of Steel. She was in Her, which is kind of a serious movie, but kind of comedic as well. And then she was in all those, like, American Hustle and stuff. American that, Hustle was a... Well, no, it's I guess a comedy. that's comedy. It is. All right. You know, fair, so, fair. You know, and she was in The Muppets. But she was also in The Master, uh, which was a really good drama. So it's it's interesting to see. It's I think The Master. It's, um, it was a movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, oh, that, oh, the cult one. Yeah, that okay. was kind yeah, of about okay. Dianetics, but kind of not. You know, like it was taken from that, but it wasn't exactly. Where Brit that. just straight up calls it a cult. Yeah, <clears throat> well, it is. Mm. Um, so I think she's one of those actresses that, like, when when she's done in like twenty or thirty years or however long she continues acting, acting, you're gonna we're gonna look back and it's gonna be a really interesting filmography. Like she's yeah. she's gonna have a lot of variety, which is cool. But I'm glad to see her in a movie like this, and it's good to see. Like like you mentioned, like having your kind of hero, the person you're following in the science fiction story, be a woman and it not be about her husband or her child. Or yeah. It's just like she's good at her job. Yeah. And that's why she's here. And that that's pretty cool to see. So and it's good to see Jeremy Renner like acting again and not just, you know, being Hawkeye in like 
two minute snippets. You know, like what has he done recently? You know that. Yeah. So it's you know I remember seeing him in the town and and really loving that performance and kind of wishing I would see him in in more things that are that are lengthy that aren't just like okay you're going to show up for ten minutes here and five minutes here and you're going to shoot an arrow and then goodbye you don't get your own movie right you know <laughs> like so so hopefully he'll be good and I like Forrest Whitaker uh, I usually like him kind of he in seems everything. to be working a lot lately he is too. I mean he's going to be in that Star Wars I know movie. that's what like, I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, absolutely. So Which that seems like an odd choice for me to begin with, but hey, I'm behind it. Whatever. Yeah, why not? Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, this one looks really good, uh, and we're going to pair it with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Which it, Brit fell asleep through. Yeah, well, it's not not the quickest moving of movies. I got through uh, most of it, but I did think like you know if we're gonna make if we're gonna talk about an alien movie that's about communication, right? Like I I literally couldn't think of anything else. Like it was the first thing that. Jumped into my mind. I was like, okay, we have to do this. So. You should get a light-up keyboard. No. No, we're not doing that. All right. Um, so to review the four movies, we have uh, Shut In, which is a big old fat no. Yep. Um, we have Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk, which you're like, man, Meh. no thanks. Yep. Probably not going to watch. Uh, and Maybe if loving... I'm home alone one time, I'll watch it out of right. boredom. Right. Oh, wait, I can't do that anymore. You took away my cable. Never mind. That's right. Goodbye. Uh, and then we have Loving, who uh, I'm more excited about than you are, but mainly For because different of... different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Arrival, which we're both excited about. So once again, I picked the right movie, uh, a movie we actually both want to see, which is purely accidental. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> just just worked out that way. Uh, so anything else you want to add before we uh, finish the episode? Anything else you want people to know? Did you like Doctor Strange? I did, actually, um, but it was... She said surprise. I did! Well, because I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. I mean, I was pretty open on the podcast about being really upset with the whitewashing mm-hmm. again. And that was still stupid. It's still... It, it, it's, it still did not seem completely necessary. And I like I love Tilden Swinton, but I don't think she she needed to be in that role. Right. Um, but Benedict Cumberbatch's accent was fine. Not I was horrible. dreading that. Yeah. Um... Not great, but not horrible. I, th- I think it still has a little bit too much of the Marvel camp. Um, mm-hmm. I think Doctor Strange, at least for me, had always been more of a serious character. Right. But instead we get uh, his his not cloak. Wink, wink. We get his cloak acting like the the carpet from Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> I saw yeah, this I like, 20 I years like ago. that. Uh, the 3D yeah. on it was really good. It was. Um, unfortunately, a little too good great. for me because of the yeah, vertigo and like, optical migraine. <laughs> Um, good action sequences. Yeah, Gotta the fight choreography was was really smooth. I mean, and and it's nice to see that in a Marvel movie where it's not these huge group battles. Which the ones that have been done for Avengers are also like really amazing. Like right. you need to work a on that and make type. sure you have everybody's own style and all that. Right. But it was nice to to see something that was a little more. Uh, I mean. I guess it's weird to say, but realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, like, right. they didn't have, like, one person waiting for somebody else to be done. You know, people right. got hit. Like, right. the, the hero got knocked down on his ass. It's also just nice to see Marvel get fucking weird, man. Yeah. Like, just because comics are fucking weird. Like, crazy shit happens all the time, but they seem to, like, want to, like, root things in reality. Yeah. Even though we have a Hulk, you know? But, like, this movie was definitely trippy. It was definitely weird. And I like that they kind of went there with it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, uh, so that's it for this episode. As I mentioned, the next episode we will be covering Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch.
And I don't even have any tissues near me in case, you know, you're going to make me burst into tears. You fucking what? How dare you say that? ...celebrated individual to experience pain, pleasure, memory, dreams, or thought of any kind. This young man will be as unfeeling, as unthinking as the dead until the day he joins I don't know whether I'm alive and dreaming or dead and remembering. 